The date is March 28th, 1991, and we're watching Career Opportunities. Welcome to I Used to Like This One. Hello and welcome to I Used to Like This One, the show where we take a look back at movies we remember fondly from our childhood and attempt to look past the nostalgia to see if they still hold up. My name is Sean Wells, and with me, as always, is the Gil Kinney to my Nestor pile. Hello, I'm Colin Stewart. And this week, we are tying up a loose thread from our Gremlins (laughs) episode when we had my old buddy Kingsley Lung on, and... For some reason in the conversation, this movie came up and we said, hey, you come back and you make us watch that because I know I had never seen it. So please welcome back the man, Kingsley Lung. Oh, Raphorn's coming in strong. The Josie McClellan. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even remember how this movie came up in Gremlins, honestly. I believe it was Jennifer Connelly was a possible alternate casting for Phoebe Cates. And then then there was some sort of comment about them being interchangeable, like Dermot Mulrooney and Dylan McDermott. (laughs) And somehow all those ingredients got put together in one big stew. And we ended up with a conversation about career opportunities. And we said, well, yeah, we'll have you back to talk about this movie. Love it. Yeah, well, this week we are looking back at March 1991 when the movies and theaters were Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, Class Action, The Hard Way, New Jack City, and of course, our movie for today, Career Opportunities, which earned $11.3 million on a $6 million budget. That seems about right. That's not bad. And, of course, there will be spoilers ahead, so if you don't want this movie to be spoiled for you, then please don't watch any John Hughes-ish movie ever, or, uh, yeah, anything like that, because it's basically (laughs) just a giant conglomerate of all those movies. (laughs) And also, yeah, so hit pause, go watch it, and then come back and hear what we have to say. (laughs) So, I have found two taglines that appear on the poster for this movie. The first is... Maximum comedy at minimum wage. <laughs> wow. That, that resonates with everybody. <laughs> and second, we have he took the job that no one wanted and got the girl that everyone did. <laughs> I don't think they had a marketing budget for this movie. <laughs> my, my only problem, like that one is that one is fine. I, I find. I think one of the the things that these, this tagline is missing is it is it's taking like aspects of the story, but like out of context. Yes. But they, it doesn't really speak to what the actual story is about. Mm-hmm. Like both both of those taglines kind of kind of would insinuate that Jim has some sort of like motivation or like <laughs> you know like gu- like gumption. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. they may not be the best description of the movie, so let's go to Colin and do a 60-second synopsis. All right. <clears throat> Jim Dodge has failed to launch, and his parents, as much as they love him, need him to get a job, make some money, and move out of their house. 
After being fired from yet another low-paying job, Jim's dad gives him the choice of securing a job at the local Target or being shipped off to St. Louis to work for his uncle. After narrowly missing out on a managerial position, Jim settles for a job with upward mobility as Target's newest nighttime cleanup boy. On his first shift, his boss decides he's too new to be trusted with the keys and decides to lock him inside the store until his shift ends at 7am. Jim makes the most of an unpleasant situation by turning the Target into his own amusement park and eventually discovers he's not alone when he happens upon the hottest girl in town, Josie McClellan, who fell asleep in a dressing room while contemplating shoplifting. Jim and Josie get to know each other, and as it happens, the sparks begin to fly. They form a plan to run away together to California with Josie's $52,000, but before they can, a pair of murderous crooks break into the store and put a damper on things. Josie rides a mechanical horse to seduce one of the crooks and convinces him to take her to California, but ultimately she dupes him, drives off, and leaves Jim with the responsibility of wrangling both crooks up for the police with the help of a shotgun. In the end, Josie comes back for her newly acquired man, and they abscond to Hollywood to sip drinks by the pool. And that is your 60-second synopsis. Beautiful. (laughs) Sounds like a quality show. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it sounds like every John Hughes movie he's made. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so when you brought this movie up, on your Gremlins episode, I yep. had never even really heard of this movie. Really? I, I I knew it by <laughs> sight. Okay. Right? Because I did work in video stores back in the day, and I remember seeing this on the shelf. I remember the poster for it, but I have never seen this movie. And I was absolutely floored when I found out that there was a John Hughes involvement with this movie, thinking, oh my god, like, I really don't know John Hughes, which has come up in previous episodes we've done on John Hughes movies. So really, that's my experience with career opportunities. Colin, I'm assuming you're the same. Yeah, I've, like I've never, never heard of this movie in my life. Yeah, I don't even think I'd ever I don't even think I'd ever heard of Frank Whaley until we watched like Little Monsters. <laughs> was it Little Monsters? Or he, was he, it... he, he he was boy in Little Monsters, the the guy that was dressed like Angus Young from ACDC. Hilarious. Okay, was he also in uh, Weekend at Bernie's? Is that, uh, that one? No, no, he was no, like um, no, no, that's Broken Andrew Arrow. McCarthy and Broken, Broken Arrow, Arrow. Okay. with uh, okay. Nick Cage. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. No, I, Bro- I've Broken n- Arrow never is heard John Travolta guy. and Christian Slater, isn't it? Yeah, but I thought yeah. Frank. Frank Wally was. Well, I I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's the one. Not not Nick Cage, yeah. Anyway, sorry, sorry, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, never heard of this movie in my life. Okay, Uh, so (laughs) Kingsley, you're the one that brings this to the table for us. You're the one that used to like this movie. So, what is your experience with career opportunities? All all I can tell you is that it came out in '91. That's when I graduated from high school, right? Grade twelve graduated from high school, this movie comes out and I'm in, I'm in the height of my sexual peak (laughs) 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 or at least I'm starting, I guess. I I don't remember. And, uh, and I remember, and all I remember was was, I went to some party uh, and uh, I think uh, we we saw this, 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 this was later because it came out in the movie theaters and then we saw it, I think on when it came out on VHS uh, a little later, that's how old I am, right? VHS. And I remember one scene in particular, and that was Jennifer (laughs) Connelly riding, a horse 
like a, in, 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 a, in a mall or something like that. And I was like, I, I think I dropped everything. My jaw was on the floor. And I was like, who is that? <laughs> what is this movie? <laughs> and then I had to start to rewatch the whole thing from the, from the start. And, uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't the best made movie, but I think it was, for its time, a diamond in the rough. Well, see, and now I'm having flashbacks to you mentioning Jennifer Connelly on a horse. And now it's like, <laughs> right. Yes. Right. That was the thing I was tasked with looking for. It wasn't hard to find, and I enjoyed it immensely. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think John Hughes even said that, you know, he didn't really have much uh, control over the creative process. And I, th- I think he thought the movie was going to suck. Yeah, balls. he wanted his name taken <laughs> off of it, I heard. Oh really? Yeah. And uh, and so I think you know some of the trailers and some of the like he have they heavily used Jennifer Connelly. I think even one poster was her on the horse. Maybe not a poster, but one marketing thing. I don't know if it was a video or whatever. It was just Jennifer Connelly on that horse, and that was their trailer. <laughs> that, that would have worked. That would have yeah. got me there. Absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, let's jump into career opportunities it's directed by brian gordon who has mostly tv credits produced by hunt lowry and john hughes and written by the man john hughes and it's an 83 minute long movie hey (laughs) (laughs) i i love that about it yeah I'll i'll be honest i literally i didn't watch this movie until this morning and i just watched it i watched it like three times back to back while i was working because it was it was so it was so short yeah that like and then I watched it once after work but it was like yeah it's so short that the shortness alone all, to me almost made it enjoyable <laughs> I know they covered literally everything no loose ends everything was tied off in like in an, just over an hour <laughs> well yeah. I, I I was even laughing though because. For an 83-minute long movie, I was getting, like, the super long universal intro on top of it all. Like, the one that does, like, the flashback to the to the yeah. 20s and 30s and, like, universal through the ages. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was getting, like, that big 75th anniversary extended opening. And I'm like, okay, well, there's the first minute of this 83 minutes right there. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of right off the hop with this movie, I was like, I had no idea that John Hughes was even involved with this movie until I started reading, like, reviews and stuff and people were mentioning it. But you can tell almost immediately that it's a John Hughes written movie. The vi- It's so much that vibe that it almost reminded me of, well, it reminded me of Ferris Bueller, but to the point yeah. where I felt like maybe this was, like, the Ferris Bueller first draft. <laughs> 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 well, yeah. I, I didn't know what to expect going in because it opened the movie opens with this whole crime scene montage and we've got Jim telling the story of the fact that it was a gang hit and all this sort of shit. It was an assassination. But when I looked up this movie on Rotten Tomatoes, it said in the you might also like section. <laughs> it listed three different Ernest movies. So I had no idea oh what I was. It's like Ernest goes to camp, goes to jail and scared stupid. were like the three that it like recommended. And I'm just like, well, uh, now what is this movie going to be? 
But yes, it's immediately becomes very John Hughesian in the voiceover and and all that. The introduction of this character, Jim, it's totally like you said, a Ferris Bueller right there. That's the intro of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Did, didn't you guys get like a like a sixteen candles kind of a vibe at some points too? Yeah, I was I was gonna say it starts very Ferris Bueller, and then. Up until the point almost where like he where he finds out that uh Josie's in the store and then it turns into a like a sixteen candles breakfast club. Like like in the school. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I gu- I guess therapy before, session. Yeah. Yeah. I guess before and then there's like a, a sprinkling of like home alone ness with, with the crooks. To it, with with yeah. the crooks and just like all the weird games he's playing in the store and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then when John Kenny <laughs> shows up, it's it's like uh what's the movie? Uh Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Absolutely. Yeah. Well or or Home Alone because or, John yeah, Kenny exactly. has like the right. Hoka King cameo in that one. And yeah. I mean John Candy, I have to say, I feel like you know, without jumping too far ahead, was the best part of this movie. Absolutely. That that one scene made this movie worthwhile. And <laughs> I, I decided to watch a trailer of this movie before watching it. I, I don't usually do that, but I was tempted with this one. And all the trailer was was the John Candy scene. Oh, really? <laughs> and, and then I was disappointed yeah, that I, was the I was surprised there wasn't John more of Candy him. Scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, he doesn't have a huge role, but it's, it's, it's classic. <laughs> Absolutely yeah i don't know i like i said the thing with frank even right at the beginning that i i found i don't really understand why frank is the way he is oh jim or jim frank what is yeah yeah frank wally jim yeah Yeah. i don't i don't don't understand why jim is the way he is like yeah i know he has later on kind of the little spiel about how he was bullied in school yeah his therapeutic breakthrough but I felt like I needed more of an explanation about why he's so like unmotivated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't really get into that. Yeah. And why he's the town liar. Like why why he just likes to lie. Yeah. But like not even good lies. Like his only captivated audience is the children. Like that's the only people that he's putting one over on. Yeah. 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 I mean, the only th- it's it's kind of like a weird setup for the end, I guess. Like it kind of pays off where like the kids actually like it comes through that like they believe he is who he's saying yeah, he, he steps is. Steps out of the limo, yeah. Well, yeah, because he puts on a good show, right? And he's convincing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and kids are dumb. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't feel like it was enough. I don't. I didn't feel like the payoff was good enough to completely sell me on the character. <laughs> You know, though, it it was funny because like they I mean, he gets fired from his job at the vet clinic. And then we've got the scene where he's at the gas station where he sees Jennifer Connelly for the first time. Or, well, I mean, we see Jennifer Connelly for the first time. And there was a moment where this guy kind of reminds me of Frank Driscoll from Frank Fully Honest. Totally. (laughs) And especially in this this gas station scene, there's just something about this guy, the way he talks that I'm like. This is a part that Frank Driscoll could have played. And yeah, like that's kind of a thing, actually that's funny. Yeah, that's kind <laughs> of an inside joke with this particular show, but we love Frank on this show. 
but they keep mentioning St. Louis. What is the fascination with St. Louis in this movie? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's weird, eh? Like the Gateway I'm, Arch I'm, is calling them. <laughs> I'm guessing it's just like the the big the biggest nearest local metropolis would kind of be my guess. Well, but I'm assuming this is in Illinois. This must be somewhere near Chicago because John Hughes. Oh, yeah. Quite possible. Yeah, I was assuming that, but I didn't realize also, like, I was looking up the, the cast. I didn't realize Dermot Mulroney had, like, his brother also in this movie. As yeah. Gil. That was Gil. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, had no the, idea. The two robbers, yeah, they're brothers. And it's like, oh, they they don't look alike. Yeah, I, that's why I've never <laughs> known that until, you know, 20 years later. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of weird that they're they're real-life brothers, but in the in the context of the movie in which it would have been so easy and probably made a lot of sense for them to be real-life brothers, they're not. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's an odd an odd story choice, I think. But. That's true. That's true. <laughs> mm. speaking, about, speaking about Dermot Mulroney, it's funny because I think it, it's this movie, because of this movie, I see Dermot Mulroney as that character for all his movies. Like, that's... That, <laughs> when, I, when I think Dermot Mulroney, that's... The picture I have is this kind of like cheesy, goofy robber <laughs> guy. You know, that's, that's so that's, funny. That's my vision of Dermot. It's funny. My vision of him has changed ever since we recently watched Young Guns, and I'm like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, he's been in some good stuff, but <laughs> just that look, like that's that's what I picture. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of partial to uh, like. When Frank, I think when he's in like the diner or whatever before, and he's like kind of bugging, like when he's bugging everybody, and that one guy's like, you know, I would have hired you if I hadn't already fired you so many times. Yeah. And then when he's talking to the waitress, and she's like, I wonder, like, is he well read? He must be well read. Like, he knows like sashimi and all this stuff, like, or if he's just trying to put on airs. I mean, he seems like uh, enough of a slacker that one of his problems is probably sitting around reading. Yeah. Or writing, because, I mean, he comes up with all these lies, so maybe he's just a creative guy, and he's using his creative outlet in the wrong way. He should be writing books. He should be writing screenplays. Yeah. Poetry. One of the one of the funniest lines in the movie to me was when his dad shows up after he's, you know, him and Josie are having their, their moment, and... uh He's talking about the job, and he's like, "I didn't, I didn't realize this was a, a hiring, firing type situation, or whatever." <laughs> it's like, I guess, I guess, when you're Jim, all jobs are probably a hiring, firing situation. It seems like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some weird quotes too. I think, I think one of the robbers they were saying uh, maybe it was Gil. He was like, "If my foot could talk," I didn't understand that until I think more so nowadays because. Didn't, wasn't he like trying on shoes and then, or wasn't he barefoot or something? And it was under Jennifer Connelly. I can't, it, that for some reason is in my mind. Uh, that was weird. He, oh, like he, uh, like he steps on Jim's hand. Is that the scene you're talking about? Uh, oh yeah. When, when they're hiding under the bench in the dressing room and yeah, yeah, they're hiding. And then and, and Jim's then hand some... is sticking out underneath the thing. Oh yeah. Okay. That's up it. And yeah. Over. yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I didn't know what that meant until now (laughs) but interesting because jennifer connelly uh again at the time was like the number one hottie and uh at least for me 
and uh, <laughs> no, she was, she, I think she was like 20 or 19 or something like that. She was like very, she was pretty young, but she was, I remember she was trying, she was trying to transition from like teen, her teen roles. Cause she was in a bunch of movies, like in the, you know, in the late eighties uh, that was, you know, trying to like, she was defined by her teen roles. And I think she was trying to move out of that into more like young adult roles. Okay. And this one definitely moved her away from the child to teen to adult. Well, yeah. My- because, like, when we meet the um, gently racist gentleman in the study, you know, the senators and whatnot, and and he wants her to come in and say hi, and she strolls across and just starts making out with the one guy. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, wow. Like, no, yeah, nobody we, would do that. We have, to go, we have to go back a minute when she, like, takes off that jacket and you're like, oh, yes. You're like, <laughs> i know i wanted slow motion i want more slow motion yeah so i mean just with the scene like that it's like she really went for a sexualized character so this yeah that was her trying to break out this is Lindsay lohan posing nude you know that's you know that kind of thing i mean i'm not gonna say it's 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 not uncomfortable but i was struck like, I don't know, like, the cinematography or something on Jennifer Connelly is, like, the sex appeal just oozes. I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, I've never seen exactly anything like mean. it it's, in, exactly other than in, in a movie like this. Like, it's like, it's, you could touch it. It's yeah, like, it's, I don't know how to describe it. it. It's weird. It's like, it's like an Instagram <laughs> filter. I mean, you know, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's like the filter where it's like someone's always sexy and some somehow moist. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Like, I, I was almost, almost like like I was thinking. I was wondering if there's something to the fact that like every other woman you see in the movie looks very very homely, for lack of a better <laughs> word. Like like Jim's sister, for example, yeah. looks like I don't know. She looks like she's out of a like she, I don't know, she looks like a Mennonite colony or something. Yeah, like, she, business yeah. people were like in like uh you know like business attire, like very conservative, right? And like yeah, there were very many homely looking people <laughs> yeah and she was like in yeah, the spotlight i don't know they should instagram should invest money in making like a jennifer connelly filter because jesus <laughs> <laughs> i like, know now you know now you know like, how I like to go to go back to the horse we're, we're, the we're trademarking we're, that right now we're trademarking <laughs> that we'll figure it out but we own that yeah like to go back to the horsey, like honestly, that would be the only trait. I would need no context, no, no, no need to know what the actual story is. But if you just put that on the screen for thirty seconds, I'd be like, I have to know what this is. Like I have to see it. Like, like it's it's hypnotic. Yes, yeah, absolutely, and that's why. Uh, that's why. Uh, what's his face stares at her while she, like don't they all do it? Remember that one scene where they're just like he's they're laying on the table, she's yeah. on the horse. Yeah. Oh no, just, like, I'm out of quarters. Yeah. Man, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, she's a gift. That's all. <laughs> See, and I mean, I had to watch the John Candy scene, and I mean that got me hooked too, though. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, yeah they could have saved me a whole bunch of time and just showed me Jennifer Connelly, and I'd be like, okay, I'm waiting. <laughs> I'll wait through all 83 minutes of this movie if I have to, to see that again. Yeah. I mean, you you can even see like in the poster that I think that was released. You know how she's kind of like on on Jim, uh, right? Yeah. It's just cleavage. It's like that's yeah. like the main focus of this poster. Yeah, low cut white t 
tank top. Yeah. 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 Which is like, I think that wasn't that what she was wearing while on the horse? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it that's was. what she ran through the whole. Colin watched it four times today, remember? We got the. We got the like like when, when, when it first appears, that white tank top, when they, the, you get the rollerblade scene, you're like, man, yep. come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very, very different contrast compared to Die Hard, where McLean starts with the white t- uh, uh, t shirt and then it becomes like dark brown black at at the end yeah, of it yeah 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 very unlike that <laughs> pristine white there's there's no crawling through vents in this movie yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh it's great <laughs> <laughs> and don't but, forget uh don't forget william forsyth don't forget him oh as the uh yeah as the supervisor for the night watchman yeah yeah absolutely i mean, I, I enjoyed his character uh, even though he wasn't in there for very long but I yeah, just remember just, it was like John was, Candy. Uh, it was just yeah, another yeah. one person scene. Yeah, but a big old walk and talk. I yep. mean, you know, get on him for that with the shotgun. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, these two yeah. great scenes. Yeah, because uh, because Jim gets his job at Target. I do love the mistaken identity thing with the whole Target, you know, thinking he's there for like a supervisor position. Offering him $45,000, the Jeopardy theme, very John Hughesian scene. And that interesting cinematic shot where they have both John Candy and Jim in focus together. Mm. Yeah, there was that. But yeah, he gets this job at Target, and I think that means it's time for Sponsorship Corner. Today's sponsorship corner comes with a big asterisk because really the majority of this movie takes place in the Target. And so as long as this list is, I probably missed a huge chunk of sponsors. Basically, if it's sold at Target, there's a good chance it's visible on camera at some point. So always on the lookout for product placements and movies. This week, Career Opportunities is brought to you by Target, Coors, Miller Lite, and Budweiser Beers, Marlboro Cigarettes, Nabisco, Andy Caps, Ranch Fries, French's Mustard, Hunt's Ketchup, Napa Auto Parts, Unical 76 Gas Station, Bridgestone Tires, John Deere Tractors, Cadillac, Del Taco, Etch-A-Sketch, several different brands of perfume that I was too lazy to write down, Purina Pet Food, Conair, Regal, Drink Master, Bounty Paper Towels, Ultra Pampers and Huggies Pull-Ups, Timex, Legs Pantyhose, Butterfinger, Milk Duds, and Crunch Chocolate, Bugles, Joy, Sunlight, Ivory, Electrosol, Tide, and Zest Soaps, Reynolds Wrap, Ziploc, Glad and Hefty Bags, Rubbermaid, Black & Decker, RCA, Casio, Panasonic, and Sunbeam Electronics, Coca-Cola and Minute Maid, Fruit Loops, Oscar Mayer, North American Van Lines, TDK Cassettes, Bushnell Binoculars, Reebok Shoes, Dr. Scholl's Insoles, Lifestyles and Trojans Condoms, Plus the fictional Monroe Animal Hospital, Holsey Concrete Products, Lorraine's Cafe, and Sweet Chariot Funeral Home. And this has been Sponsorship Corner. Wow. I see how they got their movie paid for. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's the $6 million right there. That's crazy. So basically, they spent no money of their own. <laughs> Six million dollars in uh, in sponsorship. They spent a couple hundred bucks and made what is it? What, what did they make? Eleven million. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
So yeah, after Jim gets the like half-assed orientation and gets locked in the store, he's left alone, and we get my favorite joke of the movie, which is where we have one of these music videos where it's just him cleaning up and all that sort of thing, and before it happens, he looks at the clock and it's 9 o'clock, and when he's done, it's 9.15. And that was my favorite joke of the entire movie right there. I'm like, that is fucking funny. But, but then he just starts fucking around. And now my question is, like, what was his plan going to be if the crooks hadn't broken in? I mean, because well, even b- even before Josie comes into the picture and he starts stealing silverware and plates and shit, he's already like he's grazing, which he's not supposed to do. But on top of that, he's opening stereos and, you know, like, what was his excuse going to be? <laughs> yeah, I will say that I, I when when I was watching that scene, I realized that I could never be a nighttime cleanup boy at like a target or a Walmart or a grocery store, because I would totally struggle to not like snag a chocolate bar here or there. (laughs) (laughs) That would, that would be very difficult, but I actually think what you bring up Sean is like a real missed opportunity in, in the general story of the movie, because I almost like wish they would have X'd, the like let's let's take off to California and it and it just actually be like, oh, Jim is just kind of a fuck up and he can't keep a job and he does all this shit. And the only reason he gets away with it is then because the crooks come and ransack the place and they and he they just all take the blame. And then you know at the end, like the way I pictured it was like at the end he would just be like, you know what? This job's not for me, and like and like actually resign and not get fired, and then maybe or then then maybe go to California or something. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think the, a... the sequel should be called Missed Opportunities, like you said. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> missed missed career opportunities. <laughs> but yeah, I have no idea what his plan was, and that and again, I think that speaks to like his poorly defined motivation is that you don't you never really understand why he is the way he is. Like, what is he thinking? Like, I don't, I don't really get why he's not being smarter or why he thinks it's okay to do what he's doing. You know, like, is is it that he doesn't want to keep a job? Like that's never really laid out. Yeah. Being, being 20 or 21, whatever he is, is no excuse for him not having any vision of the future. Yeah. You know, they, they kind of paint him as kind of like a, um, bit of a slacker like like everything that you've kind of described right he's he doesn't really give a shit about anything because remember when he first meets uh josie he's like who is this like spoiled rich girl right he's he has a disdain for her right off the bat yeah not even knowing who that is so to me that tells me maybe jim is like complete opposite and he's he's pissed off but also jealous a little bit about people who are just like born into it and he mm-hmm. and he was right and so he's like that's why he's a constant fuck up maybe well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, her whole story at home is definitely as upper crusty as you can get. Yeah. But also tragic. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like if Bender's dad from Breakfast Club was rich. <laughs> It'd be a different story. Yeah. The abusive dad. <laughs> I don't remember. How did, remember how she ended up with like 50 grand or something like that by the end? By the end? How, how did she get the money again? 
I don't think I don't I was gonna ask you guys because I don't understand where the money comes did, from. Did like did she steal it from her dad or something? Or something? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Like she must have had it before because then then she was the failed attempt or the she decided not to go ahead with the uh with stealing all that shit, I think, and then somehow she ended up with all this cash. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. I don't I don't know if uh, I missed something or Yeah, well I mean they could have rounded this up to a ninety minute movie if they had shown her uh Catwoman style breaking into her dad's safe. <laughs> because they use that money to like like convinces uh, Jim to go to California, right? She's like, I got yeah. I got money, let's go, right? right? All this stuff. Well, and the thing I also don't understand is the fact that this money comes into play and they're doing it all suspensefully with the crooks like pulling into the parking lot and then they pull up closer in the parking lot and it's <laughs> intercut with the uh, the discovery that she's got all this money. And these wads of cash. And the bad guys never get their hands on the cash. Yeah. Even temporarily. Like, it never comes back into play as, like, something that is dangerous to have around with these criminals. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, like, you, you would have thought that at the point the crooks actually get into the target that their focus would have been more on like, oh, we have to like make sure they don't find out about this money. Right. And then like have the beat where the crooks find out about the money and then it becomes now we have to like we have to be the ones to get out with the money, right? Yeah. But maybe that's just that's too much of a, a predictable pl- a plot line. It just but <laughs> Yeah. It, in, in, in an entirely predictable Hughesian like <laughs> but, but you know to get all thespian on you, I mean, this is a this is like a Chekhov's gun situation where, you know, the theory that if you show a gun in the first act of a play, that gun needs to go off by the end of the play. Yeah. You know, and so it's like you show the purse full of money. Why does that never come into play again? That should be the thing that has become the <laughs> thing now. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I also think that... um the whole the whole crook angle is really forced maybe very would be the, the way that i put it like even when they finally get in the target with, without without that payoff it's it doesn't really make sense i i remember watching the movie and being like oh it's like you know it's going to be like 16 candles breakfast clubish like bender and uh the princess girl like the, yeah. you know they're going to they're going to overcome their social class boundaries and and leave at 7 a.m together and go off into love like that would have been a perfectly fine movie i think yeah yeah. to to just go into that a little bit more and you know have the part where they something happens and they decide they're gonna spend 15 minutes on either side of the target doing who knows what and then figure (laughs) out they love each other and come back together yeah their lover spat where they (laughs) separate for a while Yeah. This accelerated <laughs> relationship one night in Target. Yeah. That's but what yeah, the movie the... should have been called, One Night in Target. Like, <laughs> I think it would have been better to like remove the crooks and have kind of like the looming bad be her dad. Okay. Because now... that 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 part with her dad running or like being driven around by the cop also never really ever gets paid off. No, no, not really. But now I feel I have to defend the decision about the crooks 
just for the simple fact that without the trucks, we don't get the horse riding. We have, you know, unless unless you can think of a better reason to put that (laughs) that in, right? I think, I think. Colin, the reason why you don't like it is because I think the crooks were not convincing. If they had the crooks from Home Alone, which play off each other uh, beautifully, I think those guys would have done a better job. Which is ironic that these brothers that would have grown up together don't have <laughs> as good a chemistry as Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. Absolutely. Well, yeah, like the crooks <laughs> the crooks almost needed to have the 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 what were they in the second one? The Sticky Bandits? Yeah. They needed to yeah. have the Sticky Bandits um, ploy from Home Alone 2 where their plan was just to hide out in the toy store till it closed. Like, how awesome <laughs> would it have been if they had all just gotten stuck in the toy store and all of a sudden, he, like, Jim is just there doing his job and he realized, oh, shit, these crooks decided to hang out in the, toy- in the, in the Target and then, oh, shit, the girl of my dreams is also here. And, and then it was more of, like, an interplay throughout the entire movie. Yeah, I like Turn it. it into Die Hard. He becomes a hero. He's this <laughs> yeah. unlikely action hero. Then all the shit he's talking about, about being a C agent actually kind of becomes real because he's a real life action hero now. Boom! I think we're coming up with the reason. <laughs> no, and then at the end, it all turns into a softcore porn orgy. That's how it ends. <laughs> oh, you derailed the fun comedy that we had going. Yeah. No, but, I, I but, that, but we get I a couple we... more minutes of horse riding. Yeah. <laughs> I think. I think we're off on the right track. That would have been a better movie. Like the thing I kept laughing at was like the crooks literally have no they they have no connection to anybody the entire time. No. And yeah. so when they eventually like run into Jim, it's kind of just like okay, well now they just and then they get stopped so fast. Yeah. But even even if they had been, yeah, I don't know. They're just it's just weird how they kind of just always cut to them driving or doing other criminal things that are well, completely unrelated to the movie. True. See, see, and another thing that I found was that everything Jim does is kind of lighthearted. You know, he's roller skating with the wedding veil on in in his <laughs> underwear, and I, I don't know, like he's he's a playful guy. But mm-hmm. then, but then you throw in guys like these crooks or things like the dad at home saying you know if you ever embarrass me in front of my you know the congressman again there's just a couple times when this movie it just got too real for me yeah <laughs> you know you, you can't yeah you, especially you can't, you can't have john candy and and william forsyth these cameos that are so much fun and then you have these really dark criminals like it's like yeah. he, he looked rapey you know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. His look—that's his look. He had yeah. a very creepy, rapey look about him. <laughs> I mean, the scene—the scene that really got me and took my breath away was um, the horse. Well, that one, <laughs> of course. I mean, we can, we always have to mention that, but like, <laughs> I'm gonna get a horse sound effect. Put in a neigh every time. <laughs> after that, it was you know after Jim calls his parents and then they cut to the scene of his mom waking up in bed alone. And then it cuts to the dad, <laughs> like, opening up the fridge, picking up a piece of fried chicken, and yeah. stirring it in a jar of peanut butter. Yeah, like... That, 
that and, that and, really that really got me. Yeah, like he's he's sitting there like folding lunch meat as well, and just eating like rolls of lunch meat. I mean, I like a good roll of lunch meat when it's got a toothpick through it and it's at a fancy party, right? I, I like you know th- that presentation, but why is he sitting lonely in the middle of the night in the dark with having yeah. this binge fast? I mean, what do you what are your guys what are your guys's thoughts like? I'm ha- I'm literally half tempted to go out after this podcast <laughs> and buy myself a three piece meal at Popeyes and and try and this out. I'm I'm not I'm not sure that it would be terrible. No, I don't, no, no, that's I true. Don't so. It might not be. You know, peanut I mean, butter. I've peanut butter is kind of like a gelatinized version of gravy. Yeah, so maybe okay, you know, sure. <laughs> a peanut yeah, think, like, a peanut sauce. Fat. Yeah, yeah. You have Thai I peanut sauce. Peanut sauce. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like I doubted peanut butter and jam bur- on a burger for a long time, and it turned out to be one of the best things I've ever had. had that. So. I've had really? that. Really? With bacon yeah. as well. Yeah. Really? Yeah. If you're, yeah. If you're ever in Edmonton, or you're in Edmonton, Kingsley, right? Yeah. 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 Go to the next act. They have a, uh, it's like a peanut butter and bacon jelly burger. I've never seen that on the menu. Really? It's very good yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I'm, I mean, I, I live by a donut burger too. There's soda jerks in the West End. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, you can build your own burger and you can put it on a donut instead of a bun. <laughs> fucking amazing. Wow. It's life okay. changing. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I like going to like the expo, you know, or like to K Days and, and finding the ridiculous shit. You know, let's see what we're deep frying this year. I'll try it. <laughs> I'll fucking try it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw like. They were deep frying, double deep frying churros yeah. and putting like putting <laughs> in ice cream or something. I don't. I mean, I don't know if you remember Chi Chi's restaurant where they had the fry ice cream. No, no. Chi Chi's Mexican restaurant. Oh my god, I love Chi Chi's. Oh. <laughs> wow, almost as old as Bullwinkles. Oh, I love Bullwinkles. <laughs> I had my birthday parties there. It was great. Oh, I, I had one there too. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, there we go. This has been Edmonton Corner. <laughs> go. None, none of these local businesses are sponsors. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> One of the playful things I did like about Jim was the fact that he hired a limo for his first day of work. But I don't understand why he does it. Like, why this character is like that. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah, again, I think it's just, he has a weird theatrics about, like, playing up his life. But it, <laughs> I again, I go back to this. Like, it doesn't make sense because it's like he's not doing anything underneath to actually, like, maybe try to like become so like I, I would have bought it more if he was like the kind of character that you know always has like a hustle going on yeah mm. but he doesn't really yeah yeah well th- does he remind you guys at all of like the clark griswold you know that character where he's kind of like he's a he's kind of a bit of a buffoon but he, there's really no reason why he does what he does like like you know i don't know did, did, I don't know. did you get that vibe I don't know. I mean, I I still get more of the Ferris Bueller vibe from him. But Ferris I was going to say that cooler, he, the character that he kind of reminds me the most of is actually, and this is what was weird, a thought that occurred to me. It was like 
he is very Ferris Bueller-esque, but he's almost a Kevin Smith character in a John Hughes movie. Like he reminds me, he reminds me a lot of Brody from from Mallrats. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I see it. I see it. <laughs> that's that's a funny take. No, it, like it would have been better if it would have been better if he was just like Silent Bob, said nothing, and we just watched it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just Kingsley would just be down for uh, like eighty. 82 minutes of just Jennifer Connelly <laughs> rocking back and forth on a horse. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> perfect. The, per- the perfect movie. Give, the- give that girl an Oscar. <laughs> the-, the-, the most powerful weapon at her disposal, her sexuality. Right. <laughs> I mean, she uses that power. It's almost like she's a superhero because we do have the one villain in this movie that is dressed exactly like Flint Marco from spider-man 2 uh good one (laughs) i never even i never noticed that yeah but it's yeah it's like green and blue striped shirt and like khaki pants like that's uh, funny yeah 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 and and the thing is you know you mentioned her sexuality but it's it's i think it's interesting even back for its for its uh day back in its time you know she wasn't exploited yeah she was the one who's using it to exploit others like that's you know before it used to be all about exploitation, sexploitation of all these women, and uh, it's quite the opposite. Yeah, I was gonna say like she is dead sexy, but like she's not like if that was today, she would be wearing like a bikini top or something. Like, like she she's still very girl next door. Yeah, but I I, I, did, I didn't feel like she was like I didn't. Well, I mean, all the guys objectify her, but I, I didn't feel like she was like like overtly sexualized except for the that nah, no more I, every every statement i make i'm like oh no except for uh the horse uh. Well, and, and, the, and the congressman i mean that was quite a scene the the yeah. scene in the racist den yeah. yeah but like i just i honestly like my like yeah she is but I'm just, I'm just, I'm just have like an internal monologue, an internal argument with myself in my head right now, trying to justify. I'm like, no, she is, she is objectively probably the sexiest woman in existence at this time in this movie. But I also just think she's like so beautiful. Like yeah. aside from her like sex appeal, she's just like a stunningly beautiful woman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's not 100%. fair. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a few women like that. Like Salma Hayek is mm. one of them. You know, Elizabeth Hurley is another one. You know, it's mm-hmm. just these these women that are sexy and beautiful. Like, just there's, uh, it's yeah, yeah, I agree. It's that intangible quality. I wonder. I, I wonder how. I wonder how they cast her. Like, how, how they find her. I don't know. Mm. I guess it doesn't matter. Was this what? Was this like her? F- no, because she would have been in what before this? Yeah, she was in a bunch of other movies that, but she played more like that teenage kind of character, yeah. right? Because I think Labyrinth, Labyrinth would have been before this. Labyrinth Lab- is like an yeah. 80s movie, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> the problem is to go back to our original uh, thought on this is I'm th- I'm thinking of movies where I think it's her, but I'm remembering, no, that's actually Phoebe Cates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's a few of those. Yeah. Or Demi Moore. Yeah, or Demi Moore. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So when the, when the crooks get them on the ground like face down and we got like that weird creepy scene what was his plan like did he actually pull it off because it it felt more like he got the gun by accident 
Yeah, I don't think it was necessarily because of him, right? I don't think he did anything smart to to get it. You know, yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't understand why he brought them in close if his plan was going to be just to tell them that he was working for FBI. Like, was he mm. trying to pretend that like bugs would hear him or something? <laughs> yeah, I didn't really get. I didn't. I don't get, know. I didn't understand how he got them on the ground because they have the guns. I didn't get that. But then I also didn't understand it was when he gets the guns and then they tell him it's not loaded. Like, why wouldn't you I just take have a to test imagine, shot? Like, why wouldn't you take a test shot? Or like, <laughs> couldn't you just feel the weight of it? Yeah. Like, well, maybe that's where that's where the other thirty minutes went. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they just splice it up. <laughs> How, how many guns has this guy held in his life that that's a, he would yeah, know the difference point. between unloaded and loaded? Yeah. 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 That's fair. <laughs> I mean, thanks to Oklahoma, I know the weight of one gun, but I don't know if that's a normal weight because, like, the barrel was all plugged off or whatever. Yeah, that's a prop gun. So you know that you know the weight of a prop gun. Well, yeah, but it was an actual, like, out-of-service revolver. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. That was another one where I it was like, that was the that was the the main scene of the movie where I'm just like, you can't overthink this. Like, if you think <laughs> about this too much, like this, that's not what this movie is for. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Definitely. If you just like, if you just look at the cast, like anything that with John Candy in it, for example, I'd never take too seriously ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's not even credited in this movie. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Really? Yeah, it's uncredited. Yeah, yeah it's a, just a cameo. It's an uncredited cameo. <laughs> like the amount of things this guy has on his resume. That's the other thing that shocked me. Like not only the fact that I don't know John Hughes, it's like, oh, my God, I have an unseen John Candy performance. This <laughs> this right here is enough of a gift that Kingsley has given to me. <laughs> and then throw in the horse. Come on. <laughs> Unbeatable. <laughs> Maybe maybe uh, Hughes got John Candy to come in because he knew that this movie was going to tank. He's like, I need some star power. Yeah. <laughs> Who can I afford? <laughs> well, see, okay, I've got this one movie, like this one guilty pleasure movie that's called Out Cold. And it's just this terrible ski school type movie. Like just, yeah, one of those. It's got uh, Jeremy London, like speaking of mall rats, the guy that uh, is in mall rats, Jeremy London, who plays T.S. And mm -hmm. uh, and it's got Zach Galifianakis in it. <laughs> and there is this one scene that I say to this day is the funniest thing that I've ever seen on film. And it's in this movie. So if you want to see the thing that I think is the funniest thing ever you have to watch this movie. Wow. That's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And it, it, does it involve Galifianakis? <laughs> it does involve Galifianakis, yeah. Okay. And his narcolepsy in the movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's the name of it again? Out Cold. Out Cold. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, uh, Colin, you going to watch it for like a fifth time? <laughs> <laughs> Watch it, watch it, watch uh, career opportunities. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I like I, I bought the I rented it on Google Play, so I have it for 48 hours. And I <laughs> feel like I'll definitely have to give it at least a couple more watches. <laughs> You'll be sitting there watching it tomorrow, and your wife will be like, 
didn't you guys record that one yesterday? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got to record it on my phone. Doing now. extra research. Sean asked me to add in some extra audio clips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wonder if she can really actually like ride a horse for real. Uh, oh yeah, she, she for sure can. Yeah. yeah, you think so? Okay. I, I mean that that po- that po- her posture is impeccable on that <laughs> mechanical thing. Yeah. Now, yeah. I I will say take it, taking it out of the lustful realm of, of this scene for a second. I will say that it's absolutely brilliant the physical comedy from the other guys here, like with oh, the yeah. quarters <laughs> and especially when Dermot Mulrooney tries to jump on the back of the horse and slides yeah. right off. I mean That's true. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> But that's what I'm saying. Like that's why they they weren't convincing robbers because they're so they're bumbling idiots. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, with their rapey faces. I don't know. <laughs> they're so much darker. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's something about Dermot Mulrooney's unibrow that he had going on. I mean, that might you know, like his facial hair. The the facial hair choices of Dermot Mulrooney for that. Yeah. Role. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh well, that's good. I find I find the end of the movie like a little it speaks a lot to like the American issue of gun control like how do you just get a shotgun in a in a target but <laughs> that's a little, so a, that's a little too close to home these days I don't know if we want to yeah really it, touch on not. that that's a hot topic no let let's go back to this the sweet moment of this 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 is the moment of them sitting on the table over a a birthday cake. You know that that's what this scene is is the one where he all he wants is to finish the dance that he never got to finish in high school. Ah, right? So, so that's that's the 16 candles, you know, birthday cake <laughs> moment. That's Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I find it interesting like, you know, with uh, with all the gun issues back then and, and then today, uh, they chose to use a target for this backdrop with you know the guns and you can talk more about guns and accessibility to guns and help people <laughs> i don't know i'm just reaching now <laughs> okay okay see I, I tried to bring it back to something romantic and you took it back to a gun joke Come on, <laughs> okay Kingsley. well then going going back to your sean you can be like okay so yeah he, he's romanticizing about his last dance that never was but then also the the, the birthday cake that was never eaten it's yeah. like there's a parallel right between those two but I mean, how awkward is it that we spend so much time in this movie watching these two dance? It's like the first dance at a wedding. I hate <laughs> watching a first dance at the wedding when it's just the bride and groom because, you know, you get your few photos in there. Oh, you know, and then it's like, OK, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Unless they do something fun, you know, unless they do like a choreographed bit, then it's like good on them. <laughs> Yeah, and and you know it, it's the movie would be way different if instead of her riding a horse, if it was like a little mini merry-go-round, very different. Yeah, <laughs> just watching her go round and around, not the same vibe. Yeah, well, do they still move up and down though as they go around? Yeah, but still not the same. Like That's if you true. even if you had something that that went really fast, like click, click, you know, it's like not the same <laughs> as kind of like the slow. You know, Barry White style. <laughs> this episode's gone off the rails. <laughs> uh, there, there's one thing we definitely all liked about, about this movie. Yeah, I, 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 I totally expected the bad guys, though, to burst in on them having the dance. 
so that they still don't get to finish the dance. Oh yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Do oh the one thing I wanted to clear up: Do they have sex in the tent? I'm not in the sure. Tent? Yeah, they never show it. I know. Yeah. They, they never even allude to it. I it mean, was just there. As I pointed out in sponsorship corner, they do <laughs> make a couple of different condom brands prominent in one of the shots there. So, you know, they are at least supporting safe sex. Okay. I think, um, I think that's one of those things where you have to imagine that they actually did. Yeah. Cause it's very possible. They had the time, they had the motive they had the means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were locked in and bored. Yeah. So, yep. so sometimes bored is reason enough to have sex. <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> So's masturbation. <laughs> I'm bored. Well, this is here. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, just pop in this movie. I mean, if if Josie hadn't shown up in this movie, that's where it might have ended up. He was doing everything else in this store. That's <laughs> uh, true. The only like... the only other added scene I would have liked would have been like a a Batman homage when uh, like he's cooking dinner for sure somewhere in Target. There's a super long table that could have been <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd been cool. Well, I mean, they were using the intercom to talk to each other. That that's like the long table and coming to America. That's true. <laughs> How are you enjoying your dinner? <laughs> mm. All right. I think yeah. I've said all I have to say. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna like talk for ten more minutes about the horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Men men could write essays on the horse scene. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Very existential. It's their, it's their like thesis statement for like a master's class in university. Oh, it actually there one one other thing I read that I thought was kind of interesting, but the more I thought about it, there's things that make this theory fall apart. Is that there's there's a theory that everything like that this is all in Jim's head, like it's oh. kind of like a like a like an imaginary best case scenario. It's one of his stories. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Okay. Kind of like at the end of Lost. It was a dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I still haven't finished Lost. <laughs> Oops. Spoilers. Yeah. You know, I could see that as being a thing because, I mean, he also has like, he does have his fans, uh, fantasies about like this being Jim Gat or he goes to Jim Wood at the end. All right. You know, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. 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 So, yeah, it could be his happily ever after fantasy story. Yeah, that's a good one, Colin. I like that. Yeah, he's actually he's actually drugged in an, an insane asylum somewhere. <laughs> and this is all in his head. Yeah. Interesting. Or it's kind of like um like a like a fight club situation where he's actually got two personalities. He's really Dermot Mulrooney. He's really Nestor, <laughs> right? But he's yeah. he's he's like he's also Jim. You know what this is? This is Ferris Bueller's day off when Cameron almost drowns. He actually dies for a minute. And this all happens in his head when he dies. He, he imagines that he is Jim Dodge and he's based the character after Ferris Bueller. Wow. The greatest liar he's ever known. Amazing. 
I like it. And it makes sense it's because, safe. you know, when people die, it's like they, they bought the farm and what's on the farms? Horses. Yeah. <laughs> it all comes it all comes back to horses. <laughs> Well, there we go. That is career opportunities. Now, Colin Kingsley on IMDb had scored 5.8 out of 10 and a Metascore of 41. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has 39% on the tomato meter and an audience rating of 37%. But Colin, those are just numbers. (laughs) Something about horses. Hit us with some reviews. All right, just you're gonna have to bear with me. My phone died, so I'm gonna just l- quickly look up Rotten Tomatoes here on the old web browser. <laughs> on the interwebs, there's actually like some pretty funny reviews, but most of them could just be summarized in pretty much what we've already said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm actually gonna go to some critic reviews for this one. Matt Brunson from Film Frenzy says. The fact that John Hughes tried and failed to have his name removed from this movie tells you pretty much everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. This, that, that's because this is a cult classic. It's a cult classic. It was a shitty made movie, but I give it like a 69%. <laughs> Hal Hinson, in a review that I'm pretty sure wouldn't go down well in today's world, says... Jennifer Connolly is very easy to look at. Career opportunities isn't. <laughs> well, I I mean, that's basically been what our review <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah, that's a good summary of our entire discussion. That's true. I, I, I mean, I right. think I think if we wrote down how much time we actually spent talking about Jennifer Connolly in this movie, I think uh, <laughs> it's a pretty healthy percentage of this actual recording. Yeah, yeah. It's it's For like sure. Hughes it's like Hughes basically said, Okay, Jennifer. Do a movie. Let's do a movie. Uh, it's going to be about you. Whatever. We're going to center the whole movie around you. And then the whole, all the plot was just put in uh, surrounding Conley. Yes. <laughs> Scott Nash with three movie buffs says, let's be honest. The only reasons to watch this movie are Jennifer Connelly in a skin tight tank top roller skating and riding an electric pony. <laughs> He's not, not wrong. He's on board three good reasons i i want to know though are those his good three good reasons or is it jennifer Connolly in a skin tight tank top are those <laughs> his three reasons <laughs> those are two good reasons he, he threw in the pony to make sure that we we didn't think that but i think he was thinking that oz, oz s says two out of five stars jennifer Connolly has a place in my head and i think she's the redeeming part of this it is the one with that gif you've all seen. I'd prefer the theory that this is all in the main character's head instead of really happening. Not a recommend, but there's worse films. Nice. Oh, oh yeah, I think this might be entering my uh, gif collection. <laughs> That's going to be my screensaver. Yeah. I mean, it, you almost just need a uh, a review that says, go to time code 57 <laughs> minutes. You'll thank me later. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And that's all it says. Andy S says 2.5 out of 5 stars. 
I fucking hate this main character's personality and attitude. It's so annoying and con man-like. The acting is kind of cheesy and eh. This movie is kind of too cheesy and corny for what I usually watch. I'm glad Jennifer Jennifer has proven herself in other movies, because uh, let me tell you, in this movie, all she uses is her fine looks and her sexual appeal instead of using her acting chops. A big thing that makes this movie, I think, so cheesy is the way it's filmed and the way it was directed. This is a teen movie. You can tell that a lot of the dumb stuff that's supposed to be funny, like the guy running into things and falling and shit, is scripted, which in turn makes the movie very unfunny. The only scene worth watching and the only scene that made me burst out laughing is Jennifer Conley riding a 25 cent rocking horse i mean it's got that 90s cheesy charm but that's about it <laughs> oh she was charming <laughs> ryan m says 2.5 out of 5 stars hard movie to review it was fun to watch especially in the beginning but then it veers off the rails and heads into a directionless plot with two people hanging out in target it really fails on all levels. Plot, romantic comedy, thriller, observation on two lost souls, quirky indie picture. Still, it's fun to watch Frank Whaley. Is it Whaley or Wally? I, Wally? I, I, Wally. I don't know. It's Kay. one L, right? Yeah. It's so fun I, to watch Frank Wally crash into things on roller skates. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like that whole long one before they go into the rack of TVK cassette tapes when they crash into the criminals and it's like, I, I, I do like that. They brought that joke back a couple times, but I mean, it was kind of like, it was very long though. The, how yeah. long they actually glide for. Yeah. I like how I saw this one note. It, it said that this film was released in the UK, uh, titled one wild night. Okay, that's kind of better. I like the. To be honest, I don't get the career opportunities. Yeah, title. Um, I know. Me too. Yeah, I think it's way better. Yeah. Hmm. Hard target. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be confused with the Van Damme movie, <laughs> which is so, also yeah. a classic. So, like I said, we've got five point eight and uh, thirty-seven from audiences, and forty-one and thirty-nine from critics. So. Kind of a meh, middle-of-the-road movie. I don't know. Colin, what did you think of Career Opportunities? Uh, I'll be honest, guys. I loved it. (laughs) 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 Despite, like, everything I've said so far, like, all the holes and, and whatnot, like... I was still left feeling like, you know what, this is a movie I would buy. It's just such a comfortable watch. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. There there are certain things about the plot that, that make absolutely no sense, but it's so easy and comfortable <laughs> and mildly entertaining. And Jennifer Connolly, guys, like, man, <laughs> it, can, it cannot be understated yeah. how gorgeous yeah. she is. So, I oh, mean, yeah. but yeah, like, like I said before, like I don't think it's I think it's not it's it's a movie that is not meant for heavy critique for yeah, sure. True. Because clearly there are a lot of holes and it is kind of like we talked about at the beginning it seems almost like a it's all the John Hughes parts without the uh the seamless through line. Yeah, that that you expect from a John Hughes movie, so that's a detriment to it. But it's missing it, some of the heart of a John yeah. Hughes movie. Like it's it's like they've taken a, a John Hughes movie, but removed a lot of the emotion, but left only fear. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I feel like I don't know. I don't know about that. I still feel like it still has the John Hughes stink on it, and that's kind of what carries it through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I don't know. I don't know anything about Frank. Frank Wally, Wally, Wally and Wally. and he's not like the type of guy that I would go out and rush to be like, oh, what movie is he? Like he's not Matthew Broderick. Yeah, but <laughs> but it's like in in the John Hughes formula, despite clearly he he thought this movie sucked and didn't want his name on it. I still think it fits well enough that I don't like John Hughes. If you're listening, I don't think are you dead? Maybe yeah, I don't know. Dead. He's dead. Okay, he's, <laughs> he's rolling John around Hughes. in his grave. John Hughes, if you if you're listening up there or wherever you are, then just know that you shouldn't be ashamed of this movie, man. It's not the worst thing that's ever been. Cre- We've watched worse movies for this podcast. <laughs> very true. Very true. Very so true. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not to to go on like a tangent of another director that I really like. It's not like it's not like Tusk or or like <laughs> Yoga Hosers, Kevin Smith. You can just go and. You know, you can erase those from your library. <laughs> yeah, this is a movie that it uh, the the main character isn't that likable, but there is a charm about him that is like that. That's that's the thing is he's like I I hate this character, but I also love him at the same time. Like I I don't know how to explain that. So. You're right. There is something that's endearing about this movie. It's a fast watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll sit around and I'll I'll fucking knock out you know three hours worth of The Office or Brooklyn Nine Nine on Netflix. You know, I <laughs> you know, eh, instead of watching three or four of those episodes, why not throw watch in career one of these. opportunities? Yeah. <laughs> You know, may, maybe give yourself ninety minutes because you may want to rewind a couple scenes a couple times. <laughs> I'm talking about the John Candy scene. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with the one review too that says that Jennifer Connelly doesn't get to do a lot, but I mean, it's it's fun. They're they're playing around. They were clearly having fun, and yeah, I don't think this was the movie. To show off her acting chops. <laughs> and, and like you said, Colin, there is a good dusting of the Hughesian qualities that it hits you in some of the right places. I I feel like there was a slightly better movie here, though, because I, I yeah. found it's a lot of music videos. Like, you know, it, it was a lot of montage type stuff. You know, it's like you know, when the when they're leaving, when she's pretending to leave with the criminals. I mean, we've got a them gearing up montage, you know, like it's just I don't know. It's just I I, I would have liked a bit more of that through line. I, here I am. I'm just repeating everything Colin said. I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, I'm just reworking it in my own words but i'm i'm not really saying anything different than what colin just said it was it was a fun movie but yeah it's not a great movie but it's not a bad i mean i i really like the movie that we came up with and i definitely think like if any producers out in hollywood are, are listening to this podcast they should really tap us to uh to write the career opportunities reboot or maybe we'll what was the uk name maybe we'll rebrand it as, as uh, that name, one wild night a- yeah. One wild night. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. One wild night of target practice. Yeah. And who who would we use now though? Like who would be the Jennifer Connolly of today? 
Zendaya. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, uh, or who's the who's the who's the girl from Stranger Things? I mean, are are you talking in terms of? I'm ta- are you talking in terms of like appearance or like? Yeah, like clout. Someone who could fill that role. Someone who has that sort of you know innocent sexuality, Victoria but beautiful justice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, like it's bad for me to pull Victoria Justice. That that's a pretty deep pull, but <laughs> you know, I've got kids that are at the age where they've discovered shows like iCarly and Victorious. Mm. You know, and there's something about watching the girls of Victorious knowing that they're 18. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind watching these terrible shows. <laughs> That's fair. Because I look up pictures of current Victoria Justice, and now she's, you know, still not age appropriate, but far less so than she was on Victorious. <laughs> well, uh, uh, so Kingsley, bring us home. You mm. you brought career opportunities to us. What did you think on this watch? Wow. Well, I'm saddled with so much responsibility. Um, you know, I think this is a movie that everyone should watch for its for its purpose, and that is to watch Jennifer Connelly <laughs> <laughs> uh, and 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 how she delivers her sexuality so perfectly, and it hypnotizes other people and uses it to her advantage she's like an x-man she is that's her power right yeah. and uh and uh i don't know you know i can, I can try to, sexuality <laughs> i can use i can i can say a bunch of horse puns all night yeah <laughs> but you know uh you know p- people who put this movie down why the long face <laughs> uh, uh, you that know. one was right on target. Oh, this is the main event. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, just echoing what both uh, you, Colin, and Sean have said, it's not the best made movie. But I, at the same time, you know, and you know, it wasn't financially stable. <laughs> but uh, but I think you know, it, so it wasn't the best made movie. But that's not the point of this movie. Just like some of the other shitty movies we've seen, this is like a cult classic because of so many different things yeah. and so many different reasons. Jennifer Connelly obviously has a huge role in it, at least but, for me. But having the inclusion of the John Candy scene and like yeah. the the orientation from that's the night what manager, made it. like absolutely, I mean, that's what raised are, the bar. Absolutely, yeah. Those are great cameos to have in this movie. To it's the cop storyline yeah. the the guy the old man being driven around those were the storylines i could have done without yes. but yeah yeah as i said this this was a uh, cult following <laughs> no terrible <laughs> i'm going to stir up trouble <laughs> well there we go that is career opportunities and that's our show for this week uh big huge thank you to our what what is this is this fourth time guest yeah i think i'm, I'm a four timer four timer well we got to get you that five timers jacket we had a five timer last week <laughs> so, will steve martin give it to me <laughs> yeah. we're, we're working on it we're working on it i like it but thank you for joining us kingsley thanks for having me 
Pleasure yeah, as man. always. It's good to have you. If you like that show, one thing you can do to really help us out is, well, go to whatever app it is you listen to your podcast on and give us some stars. We like them. We like stars. We like five of them. Give us a little review. Just help drive us up the charts. Help us get noticed. Or just tell somebody because you just spreading word of mouth just helps us find an audience. If everyone were to tell someone and convince them to listen to our show, we would double our listenership. That's real math, people. <laughs> I did that live, live math without a calculator or my fingers or anything. You're a savant. That's right. <laughs> or if you want to go above and beyond and become a financial supporter of the show, throw us a couple bucks a month, price of a coffee a month, go over to patreon.com slash I used to like this one and become part of our Patreon family, become an executive producer and get a shout out just like executive producer Joshua Blum. And be sure to check out our website, www.iselectthisone.com, where you can find links to all of our podcast episodes as well as our social media. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. And if you want to email us and let us know what movies you used to like, you can do so by sending an email to iselectthisone, all one word, at gmail.com. Yeah, you just got to ask, like Kingsley, who got us talking about career opportunities. I love it. You guys are the best for indulging me. I love you guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I used to like this one. It's created by, hosted by, and produced by Sean Wells and Colin Stewart. It is edited by Sean Wells. Music by Lyndon Carter. Look for his band, Carter in the Capitals, anywhere you listen to music. Thanks for listening, and join us next time when we take a look at another movie on I Used to Like This One. Yeah, Lyndon's all excited because he's on the poster with Buffy St. Marie. Oh, uh, yeah. Fest. I heard about that, yeah. Yeah. That is exciting. <laughs> He's gonna be the next great Canadian. That's right. Nice. Yeah. This is more Edmonton Corner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually. I have. I actually have tickets to go see. Uh, at, I think they're playing at the uh, the amphitheater. But David Foster and his wife Catherine McPhee are coming here. Oh yeah! 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 Yeah, I, I remember her from Smash. Yeah, I actually I actually enjoyed that series. Yeah, so did I. I. Liked her. It wasn't too yep. bad. It yep. had it had Deborah Messing too. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh and what's her face? Uh the girl uh, Hilti something. The, yeah. the, the the blonde girl who played Marilyn, right? Yeah. Yeah. She was great too. She's great. <laughs> she's got a long Broadway career. It was great. But um yeah, so it should be it should be a good concert, I think. Yeah, right on.